Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Today on the podcast, we're getting to know Grey Dancer. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Don, share with you their experience and insight on kink, power exchange, and erotic life as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mic and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for a mature audience. If you are offended or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Erotic Awakening is sponsored by Beyond the Love. Beyond the Love is a cool event that I have no notes in front of me about, but if I did, I would say it's a wealth of classes, workshops, and mini-events to learn tools, techniques, and communication skills to enhance our poly relationships. We provide a safe environment for meeting and other like-minded people in a supportive and inclusive community. Find out more at beyondthelove.org. Wow. Wow. So that's a little bit of a different kind of way to start the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, uh, this is not the official music we're listening to that's we're going to start the podcast. It's... Uh, I'm not, nor am I trying to rip off a massive cast <laughs> with a different beginning music every time. Uh, it's just a matter of I haven't found that new music yet. Yeah, a lot of it sounds like 70s porn, which works for us, but. <laughs> I have not watched not as... any porn that sounded like this. Okay. But we did find out, though, the other day is we went over to the room. And we found out we, our projector does indeed play porn on the wall in the room. It does. Life-size porn. Yes. Sometimes that's a little scary. It's often <laughs> scary. Um, so hi, Don. Hi, Dan. So as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, today we have an interview with Grey Dancer. And we had actually brought him on the show to talk about a topic, and we got that interview. And uh, I was just enjoying talking to him too much to let him hang up without finding out more about him. Right. Well, it's it's kind of neat because we have spent time with him. You know, we've chit-chatted, we've talked, we've we've just hung out and but he was bringing up some stuff during that interview that it was like, "Wow, really? I didn't know you felt like that." So it was kind of neat to to sit afterwards and just ask him about him. And and a little bit of uh interesting to see some of the people that we all knew the same uh-huh. and how we got started as a presenter. Again, We'll get there in just a minute. We'll get there. Fun, fun. Uh, before we get into that, though, I do see that... Oh, and but one of the reasons that we started the conversation with Great Answer was he listened to the podcast with Ruffin <laughs> Murado, and he had mentioned he enjoyed the podcast, but that uh, Madison, Wisconsin, the rope capital of the world, has their own cigar boots and chocolate at a very kink-friendly bar that on occasion turns into a private inv- event where you can indulge in whatever form of cigar play you like. So. Ooh. Sounds hot and dirty. <laughs> and speaking of which, and just to, to put a whole thing together on that, the whole uh, smoker thing and cigar boots and chocolate at Cope in two weeks here in Columbus, Ohio, there nice. will be a, med, a gathering mm-hmm. of cigar boots and chocolate. Nice. You should probably go ahead and do the AIS bump right there. Oh, that sounds lovely. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Their next event is COPE in two weeks, if you're listening to this at the beginning of September 2013. (laughs) And a lot of us are going. So this is in Columbus, Ohio. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. I'm really looking forward to that, actually. COPE is the one where we do Scarlet Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So, and which is a, a space of sacred touch. And we've been doing that for, oh my gosh, four years, maybe a little bit longer. Wow. Has it been that long? Yeah, yet? it's been quite a while. So, and lots of fun. 
Um, so, Don, the question of the day, which yes, you'll notice I have not written down yet, <laughs> because I am actually um, stealing this from the last episode of the Barak and Sheba podcast, a BSing with a Yeti, okay. uh, because they were asked the question, and as I was doing my jog listening to the podcast, I said, hey, I want to answer that question. Ooh. And I found that because I was listening on a podcast, I couldn't, I answered the question and nobody heard me. <laughs> So now I'm in front of a microphone. I want to answer the question. Uh, the question of the day is, if you were, if someone approached you and they're beginning, getting ready to begin a master-slave relationship, and this is a slightly mm-hmm. modified question, okay. but they're saying, hey, I'm getting ready to get into a master-slave relationship, or I've decided I want to get into a master-slave relationship, what is the one piece of advice you would give them oh. before they get started in a master-slave relationship? Wow. What is the one piece of advice I would get give them? Mm-hmm. Crickets. Um, <laughs> do you have cricket music for that little part? I probably could shove that in there, yes. Um, see, the things that are popping into my head are like the piece of advice. Um, make sure you get to know yourself and what you want. Make sure you know what your needs and desires are. Um, sometimes it can be just a feeling and we need to, to work that out as to what that feeling is, or we keep grabbing stuff for that feeling to try to fill it and won't have any success because we don't know what it is we're actually looking for. That's, that's very, that's interesting. It's almost, uh, it's very similar thread of, uh, thought that Sheba answered the same question. Yeah, but I feel like I'm, I'm missing it a little bit. Like there should be something else that, well, there's something else sitting in my gut saying, Speak about me, speak about me. And I don't know what that is. I will say for myself, the one piece of advice I would give people, it's funny, and maybe it's not the best, but it's the one that came to my mind, is, under, is understand the words and the terminology. And when you have conversation with people, have make sure you're using the same words and terminology. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think I would um, see, and that, that's, that's perfect because we don't all use the same terminology. What slave means to me could mean something totally different to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, I guess, is to meet other people that actually live it. And talk to them about what it's really like. Because sometimes people go into this with a total fantasy notion, you know, instead of real life. And that can be um, kind of surprising as well. You know, if you think you're going to be on your knees naked waiting for your master every day with a hot plate of food. And I don't know how you cooked it if you're naked, but that's okay. Oh, it's doable. I just had visions. But... um You know, if you think that's what's going to happen every day of your life for the rest of your life, uh, (laughs) you might be a little disappointed. So, sure, you could make that happen, but how are you going to make everything else happen around it as well? So, you know, maybe actually talk to some, not just on FET, because you don't know if those people are really living it. People in real life, you know, and find out what it's like. I think that's great advice. So, awesome, awesome. Um, So, hi, Don. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good. What have you been up to lately? I've been up to a lot. Oh, my God. Oh, I had lunch with a podcast listener yesterday. No, you mentioned that. How did that go? It went really well. Good. Really well. So, and I don't have permission to say his name. I need to ask these things. <laughs> <laughs> so, had lunch with him, you know. I see, he, I don't know that you want to ask those things, but I don't know if that changes the conversation. Oh, uh, well, that's true. That's true. So, because he did mention a couple of things about the podcast, and uh, so we had some good conversation about that, and he keeps an eye on what I post on FetLife, so he had some... <laughs> 
some questions about that. And that's always a, um, a little, I don't know what word to use. Odd. Odd is a word to use when someone's like, so when you posted this on FET, what did you mean? Or I'll bring up in conversation, you know, I'm training for a half marathon. Yep, saw it on, po- on FET yesterday. <laughs> it's like, man, I don't have nothing new to talk about because I'm so out there. But so between lunch yesterday, training for the half marathon, time spent with the puppy, time spent with the granddaughter on amusement park rides. Yeah, that was very nice. That was awesome. And I've lost enough weight to where me and the daughter-in-law could ride on the ride together. That was nice. You know, on one of the threads, I posted on one of the threads, on one of the, uh, on, one, on FetLife somewhere about Beyond Love, that poly event coming up in Columbus, Ohio. A lot of people were ragging on Ohio. How can you have, and I don't, I don't get it. How can you have a polyamory event in Columbus, Ohio? What the fuck does that mean? We have a huge support group yes, here. That's anyway. besides the point. <laughs> but the point being, to one of the things I enjoy about where we live, mm-hmm. and I grant you it is not New York or Los Angeles or uh, Thank God. Oh, Melbourne. Sorry, I don't want... Yeah, don't, don't, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, oh, the point being, that, as you were saying, right, over the weekend, we just, here in the United States, we have Labor Day weekend, right? So right. it's a long weekend. So over the weekend, you and I... Uh, went to the Millerport Corn, Corn Festival, Festival, which was really kind of a thousands of farmer folk. Oh, yeah, the conversation that you overhear is kind of like, look, Maul, look at all those people. <laughs> <laughs> it was cute. And um, the next day, you and I went to the Upper Arlington Arts Festival, mm-hmm. which was the exact opposite. Yeah. You know, it was a, oh, a pair of earrings. I'm only charging $750 for them. Um, <laughs> It's awesome. And then five days before that, we were at a headbanging, well, I don't know if it's really headbanging, <laughs> Adam Ant concert. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I will say, and I will say that I do prefer the Adam Ant music that, uh, as he's doing it now, Yeah. less horns, more, more guitar, guitar and drums. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like taking some of the songs you may be familiar with, such as um, Strip. Strip. And giving it more of a rock flavor. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer it this way. Uh, what I could hear of it. What do you the, I found out the downside of you and I, and I took you to the Edamant concert, but I have to admit I enjoyed it. One of the downsides of being uh, two rows from the very front of the stage uh-huh. is you are two rows from the huge fucking speaker that's at your right <laughs> ear. I like it. So we, you know, so just to get back to Ohio as well, it's a very diverse place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you do have the country, you do have the 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 very economical status levels, you know, whatever. You've, you've got the whole gamut like any place else. And we've got a lot of poly people here and a lot of good music. And it's a hugely <laughs> kinky area. Absolutely. And it's not so large that people are... Uh, and uh, who was it? Uh, Ruffin Murata was just talking about this. In Chicago, because it's such a big city, you have a variety of kink groups that do the same thing, but they're just spread out. Like there's two, or at least at one point, there's two mass chapters because mm-hmm. the city's so damn big. Right. Don't right. have that in Columbus, but there's a lot of variety. If whatever your kink is, somebody has a group for it out there. Right, right. So, good stuff. Yay. Well, apparently, this is the turned into the defending Ohio podcast. <laughs> but we have we've had had a couple of people in Ohio. <laughs> I like Ohio. I like Columbus. So currently, um, Steve in Rhode Island is our uh, number one American stalker nominee. Uh, but 
Now that we've made it very clear exactly where we live and you can triangulate between the Millbard Corn Festival and the Upper Arlington Arts Festival, the person that shows up on our doorstep now can be the new well, number Well, I got one taken stalker. out to lunch yesterday. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Um, anyway, I do notice we should mention that we have a bunch of new subscribers. Yay, we do. We have Matt in North Carolina. Jim in Ohio. Kinky Kira in Michigan. Cowgirl Dance in Illinois. Love that name. Kate in Australia. Speaking of Australia, when I was emceeing at the Great Lakes Leather Alliance, I was, I was emceeing with a... Australian woman. Uh-huh. And uh, she was quite perplexed on how to say Louisville. 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 Okay. <laughs> and she kept ragging on the way I say Melbourne. Uh-huh. Which I suppose Mel- I can't remember how she said say. Yeah, because they said the Americans say Melbourne, and it's Melbourne. So, Kate, if you could help <laughs> us with that, we'd appreciate it. Charmander, I'm sure. Oh, I'm I lo- Charmed, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way people put letters together. In Michigan. Chirin SF from San Francisco. Michelle in Indianapolis. Barbara from New Jersey. Brittany in California. And Jaina from Kentucky. I wonder if Barbara from New Jersey is Barbara from New Jersey. I think it is. Oh, how nice. I think it is. So, And then um, the newsletter for September just got emailed out. I think it actually got emailed out on the 1st. Wow. <laughs> and it's funny. It's been two months since I put out a newsletter. I emailed it out on, on the 1st, and someone unsubscribed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I'm sure they were just changing their email address. Okay. Let's say that. Let's okay. pretend that's the reality of the situation. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Uh, you know, we, I had just mentioned that the Great Lakes Leather Alliance, and by the way, uh, to bring it back to Cope for a moment, Lynn of the new sash owner of the Great Lakes Miss Leather mm-hmm. will be at Cope receiving her birthday spankings, or so I hear. Nice, nice. That's a complete so, sidebar. Oh, well, also speaking of Cope and Scarlet Sanctuary, the most recent class of the POTQ class is going to be there. That's part of their graduation is, is giving touch yeah. at the Scarlet Sanctuary. So Path of the Kadishti. I don't remember how many are in um, Lady De- Dave Pomona's class right now, but uh, they're all going to be there. So yay. And, right. and, and one of them used to be in your collar. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Maybe awesome. I'll jump on the table and let her do me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> But coming back to GLLA, where we uh, met... Uh, I'm picturing this. I'm sorry. It'd be awesome. Uh, I think that... Well, and then we could actually sidebar into how do slaves give their master sacred touch when they're so used to being... Well, actually, I guess that I've wouldn't be that much of a jump. I've given you sacred touch before. Yes, you have. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be so much of a jump. Uh, at GLLA, we went to Dark Lass in Colonoxia, which is the best way I can pronounce that name. But... Um, had a very nice time at the Great Lakes Leather Alliance. We talked last week about going to the Floating World, and then the week after that, we went to GLLA. Right. Um, and we uh, had quite a great, nice time. I got to MC my first contest. That um, was so awesome. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I was, I was uh, much more comfortable the second night, but that's okay. I mean, you're standing on... I tell you, you and I stand in front of 30, 40, 50 people all the time and do presentations. Mm-hmm. Standing in front of 300 people with a spotlight shining in your eyes. And with and a co-partner that you're not really used exactly. to. Exactly. Yep, yep. So, and dressed up as a disco pimp. 
Yes. <laughs> the first night and in your leathers. Which is the quite, second night. Which is quite scary to find out that we get to the event, we find out that the theme is disco, uh-huh. which we should have known, but we didn't prepare for it. We didn't really right, recognize right. it. And then as I'm going through the uh, the uh, preparation before I'm seeing, the, my co-host is saying, oh, well, you know, what kind of disco-themed outfit are you going to wear? And I said, oh, I'll, I'll, well, just wait and see. <laughs> the scary part is we go back to the room and find out that I, we carry enough stuff to easily turn my wardrobe into a disco <laughs> wardrobe quite easily. Flip up the collar, put on some shades, Got hang some scarf, disco balls from your neck. It's awesome. They tape that, too. That's going to be so cute. But one uh, of the things that happened, G- did they tape that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah, there was a, a video recorder up against the back wall. Oh, good. I hope I get a, a slice of that. GLLA is good for that. They like to video record those, To, um, I think they send them to the leather archives. Sure. So, But uh, that's one of the differences between a leather contest and a regular event. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the leather contest gets videotaped. That's very true. So... Um, so at the GLLA on Friday morning or Saturday morning, and I can't recall now, must have been Friday morning, uh, Sham Wow and Mr. T, who have been longtime mm-hmm. listeners to the podcast and uh, provide the occasional food on boot picks, right. asked us to go to breakfast. We said, oh, we'd love to go to breakfast with you. And they said, all right, well, just meet us at the room. Mm-hmm. And thus we moved into, now last week, the week before, I got a video of a variety of people with food on boobs. Yep, yep, provided and I by that this would be the, mm-hmm. the winner of the Food on Boobs for quite a while. Right. Little did I know. <laughs> we show up at the room for Sham- where Shamwell and Mr. T are staying at the hotel to pick them up to take them to breakfast to find out that <clears throat> they had a prepared breakfast on Shamwell's boobs there in the room. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. There was, was fruit. Cool. There was little egg and cheese quiches. There was all kinds of stuff. Very artfully arranged on her chest. <laughs> I, it was really... Not only was it delicious, and not only was it delicious, <laughs> it was very neat as well that somebody goes through the trouble to put breakfast for you together on their boobs like that. Uh-huh, very creative. Uh, and, and we ended up having a very nice conversation with them uh, for quite a while. And we're trying to recruit them to do some work for... The PXS, yeah, coming uh, way out there in, in next May, but we'll worry about that later. So it was a lot of fun. So it was a lot got of to fun. hang out with them, and you know, I love GLLA to begin with. That is very, it's a very comfortable place for me to be. Some of it can be challenging because we are very much in our our dynamic mm-hmm. when we're there. So you know, you'll throw out challenges for me, and and that's the place to do it at as well. And but um, it it just feels like home. Yeah, you know, it's a very different feel. It's very if you go into the dungeon, it's hardly ever completely full. People are there more for socializing. Now there was plenty of play going on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. But um, Friday night, not so much when we were in there. Maybe we were just in there at the wrong time. But um, in the atrium, atrium almost always full. Right. You People know. just sitting around chatting, catching up, all that kind yep. of stuff. Yep. Um, so lots of socializing, lots yeah. of you know, participating in the workshops and, and things like that. It's just, yeah. it's just a good time. So I uh, love GLM. Totally agree. And the... Neat aspect. We took uh, Slave Bat with us, and mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more of a structured situation for Bat. And she had to do this and had to do that. Right. And, uh, 
little did she know, even though she's a podcast listener, see, I can keep a secret. Ooh. Uh, I have been thinking about uh, presenting her with leather for all the work that she does for the community. Mm-hmm. The last, and I've been thinking about this for about the last four months. Right. Um, work for us, for the community, uh, for the individuals in need as well. And a lot of that goes unheralded. And um, the final uh, testing, so to speak, happened at GLLA. Uh, she, I made her do some research beforehand, and um, that was quite quite lovely to have that happen. I think I quite completely surprised her. You did. You completely surprised her. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So that's that. Uh, any? I, so I gave you the food on boobs uh, news. Any tentacle leaks this month? Oh, are there tentacle links this yes, month? There but are. you know what? Because it just popped into my head. What else happened at GLLA? I bought a new dress. <laughs> oh, my oh, yes. God. So, speaking of purple, actually, that was my icon on FET for a little while. I just changed it this morning. So, but yes, Boy George has been sending me some stuff. And, you know, I've actually got a couple of other links. I'll need to put them on next week's notes. So, um, they, they steadily come in. But, uh, Boy George sent me an amusement park statue, a picture of an amusement park statue. So, and he's like, oh, I saw it and thought of you. Oh, you know what's funny? We saw an amusement park ride that had tentacles, and I'm like, I am not taking a picture of that. The granddaughter's sitting on it. No. Uh Uh-uh. And um, then he sent me a cartoon of a big boobed girl wrapped in tentacles, and that was cute, too. So... But yes, still have the tentacle links coming in. They're awesome. The last person to send me in links, I haven't clicked the link yet. So I need to make sure to do that today. Why have you not clicked the link yet? Oh, just a matter of time. No, just a matter of time. It's sitting there. It's waiting for me to open it up. But I want to open it up at a moment that I have time to enjoy it. Instead of just doing a drive-by glance. Uh, No, no, I understand that. Well, I have to have time to enjoy it and a hand free. Speaking that doesn't of which, usually happen at the same time. No, that's good. But and, and speaking of which, Erotic Waking is sponsored in part by Smitten Kitten. Smitten Kitten is your online resource and personal guide to all things sex-related. They offer over 3,000 unique products and have served the sex-positive community for over 10 years. From their 10% off back to college sale that's going on now to... $7.95 for shipping around the world. You'll find all your kinky needs at smittenkittenonline.com. Awesome, awesome. Hey, did we cover the answer to why Japanese culture pixelates their stuff? No, we have not. No, so that's still on the notes, too. So we actually had a reply from... Um, explain why, what, what is it they're replying to. Okay, so um, I made a comment on one of the last... Uh, episodes about how even and I always pronounce this wrong it's hentai hentai but um or the live action uh tentacle sex videos that's Mm -hmm. coming out from Japan right now all the private parts are pixelated so you can have raunchy 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 sex going on but if anything inserts a vagina Mm -hmm. you can't see the insertion because it's blue it's like all mixed up. It's like pixelated. Is that the, the sound effect for pixelated? <laughs> so if I was blind and you were uh, audioing a, a video for me, that would be the sound of pixelated. That would be the sound Got of pixelated. Good so, to know. So someone wrote back because I was confused as to why you could have all this hot stuff, you know, coming out on video, but you can't actually see 
intercourse. I mm-hmm. mean, you can imagine it, but that little spot there is right. is is um not there. And someone wrote back, and it was Suvwell, Suvwell. And I'm just going to read it really quick. Uh, just listen to your podcast. I wanted to answer your question on Japanese culture towards sex. I lived in Japan for four years and learned a variety of things while there. Japanese culture does not hold sex as taboo and thoroughly enjoys and encourages sexual expression. This is why you see so many sexually driven scenes in anime and hentai. As to why the pixelated of the genitals, um, after the Japanese surrender in World War II, the U.S. had a very large part in drafting the new Japanese constitution. Huh. And oh, I can't pronounce that name either, but it ends in Sirota, was enlisted to help draft the civil rights section. Um, they were extremely conservative. This person was extremely conservative and felt that the display of genitalia was offensive and had clauses and amendments put into the language that forbade the new display of genitalia. Thus, any pornography in Japan, even real-life filming, must have the genitalia pixelated or not shown at all. Is that crazy or what? Whew. That is crazy. It just makes it more taboo. I guess. Naughty. I don't know. But it's just so funny <laughs> to think of that due to the war in 1945. Right. And some particular person who was feeling ultra conservative and said, no, showing genitalia. Right. It uh, affects the pornography 60, 70 60, years 70 later. 70 years later. <laughs> wow. And you think about this point, somebody in Japan would have challenged that part of the Constitution. You Maybe nobody wants to be known as the, the Larry <laughs> Flint of Japan, I guess, at this it could point. Be. I don't know. It could be. So, wow, wow. What you learn every day. Really quickly, before we start talking to the great answer, we do want to mention uh, that uh, Randillin and wife say hi, and they recommended the game Quarriers. 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 As uh, it is like the Dominion, but with dice. And uh, I have to tell you, Randolin, no. The problem is, over the weekend, the same three-day weekend where we did the other <laughs> things, we also played one game of Dominion, one game of Settlers of Catan, and, and one, one game, game of Galaxy Truckers. Yes. <laughs> and one of our complaints was that uh, we love all of our games and we don't have time to play them. So adding another game to the mix uh, right now... <laughs> Well, Munchkins in Flux gains dust. I know. Munchkins. Look, I'm looking at the games right there. Yep, Munchkins in Flux sitting over there all dusty. But um, um, we're going to be having more game nights scheduled at the room, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so the um, we've got the kink board game night, even though there's really no kink. It's just that it's kink people. And then the poly people last night said, no, we want a game night, too. And, of course, it's going to be open to everybody across the board. But game night... And we probably won't be in town. <laughs> we have a lot of stuff coming up. We, we, we do have some stuff coming up. But uh, let's bring, uh, speaking of coming up, let's come up to, that's kind of a weak yeah, segue. Kind of a segue. <laughs> our uh, interview with The Great Answer. As, and we mentioned this in the interview, how uh, the history of Great Answer is related to us and the podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other interesting bits that I did not know about Great Answer in there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you'll hear... Um, I tried to like jump all over the place, and, but he, he held quite well with it. He did indeed. And he never has these embarrassing pauses <laughs> on his show I either. I thought you were done. <laughs> so, Don, here we are in. Uh, <laughs> I've just. We've been talking. We spoke some time ago. 
as in five minutes, <laughs> with Grey Dancer about the history of leather. And as we were talking, I was like, I would, I have all these other questions that are more Grey Dancer specific than topic specific. Right. So what I wanted to do, we got Grey Dancer back on the old Skype. And so what I want to do tonight is Grey Dancer, the podcast title for this is Who is Grey Dancer? No, God. So more about you. I mean, you are actually, you, a lot of people look up to you. You've been around the scene for a long time, international presenter, podcaster, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of people want to grow up to be Grey Dancer. Between the grooves, being an author, and all this other stuff, I said, let's actually find out a little bit more about you so that those of us that are jealous will realize you're just a regular Joe. So, okay. How often do you have medical issues? No, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I want, so how did, let me start off by where, at some point you're not great dancer, you're not presenting, you're maybe kinky, and you've made the transition into having a name that's related to where somebody says, oh, him? Yeah, he's a presenter. How did that happen for you? Um... Okay, so first of all, I can say that I, I have been kinky for as long as I've had sexual thoughts. My very first sexual fantasies would fall into the kink area. Um, but that's that, and I don't say it as a matter of pride. It's just people say, well, what was it that turned you kinky? It's like, I, I hit puberty. You know, that's what it was. <laughs> um, uh, it is easy to tell the, the two places, the two key events that led into me becoming a presenter um, both of which involved, I was in a uh, long-term relationship with uh, another fantastic podcaster, Cunning Minx. Um, she and I had a master-slave relationship for five years. And uh, during that time, um, there was one time when we were at an event, and I was by no means anywhere near presenting. I, I was, however, an AV geek, and so I was volunteering to do AV work. And um, among the many different sexuality things was a Kink 101. And uh, Minx and I both knew that we were kinky. You know, we didn't know how kinky we were, but we knew we were kinky, and so we definitely wanted to go to this class. And uh, we went to the class, and it was a fine class. It was not bad at all. But um, between my performing arts and teaching background and her background uh, in presenting as well, we sort of came out of the class and looked at each other and went, we could do that, and I think we'd have something more to offer in, in terms to people. Um, and I say that delicately not to make the in case the people who presented that know what I'm talking about and they feel bad. It wasn't that they were bad. It's just that we felt that we could offer something there. Um, and then, um, well, I got into rope because I visited IML, International Mr. Leather, mm -hmm. to go shopping. And I couldn't afford anything except for the 10 cents a foot rope from Rainbow Rope. So um, I bought rope and started doing it. And uh, I was at the uh, Inferno Club here in Madison and I was tying up minks. And I was just, it was me tying up minks, just having fun. And then at one point, suddenly we sort of looked up and we noticed there was this crowd of people around watching us. And um, she and I, both being attention whores, uh, said, this is kind of cool. We should start performing and stuff too. Um, and so we did. And so we have done, uh, we, we started doing more performing and I started teaching the rope stuff. I mean, I have a, I have a background in teaching anyway. I've taught at all levels from preschool up through college, um, and so it's when you when you have the skills of presenting and public speaking and, and teaching, you can apply them to any subject that you you know learn. Um, so that's how that got into it, uh, and I became I've become more and more concerned with the state of 
sort of sexual maturity of our culture. So every time I wonder, you know, should I be fighting world for world peace or for to stop hunger or to stop homelessness, I look at the fact that women's reproductive rights, impeaching presidents, wondering if the Olympics can be in Russia because we're not sure if they want to treat the gays right. And I say, you know what? Trying to educate people about sexuality, that's a fucking important job too. So uh, that's what I'm good at. So that's what I do. Have you ever had, and my goal for this interview, Don, and help me with this, <laughs> is to jump around so much that uh, Great Answer comes to Columbus and punches me. <laughs> but since he'll be here, we'll make him teach something. Punched Lokai last time I talked to him, so yeah. <laughs> well, Lokai's easy to punch. He's easy to make. You want, everybody wants to punch Lokai. They don't even know who he is. That's good. What, how many teaching, where, do you ever, do you remember a time where you've taught a class and it failed? Where you were going and the, the audience just wasn't buying it. They just weren't digging it. Um, well, I know. That's never happened to me. I, don't <laughs> I, I, I know that it's definitely – I've had things go, go less good um, than expected. But uh, I, I can't say completely failed um, because I – I, I tend to try and entertain. I, I not, not no one big disaster comes to mind, um, uh, especially since even if it is a a disaster on a personal level, I'm I, I consider it a profession, and so my job is to make sure they don't see what's going on behind the scenes. Right. So I certainly had you know uh, situations and events where things have gone very wrong behind the scenes, but we try and make sure that for the people. That, Pay no attention to the chaos behind the curtain. Um, I mean, I've certainly had situations where uh, I've I've tried to the, the cigar play one I did for Bold actually might might fall into that category um, because I was supposed to be talking about you know the art of the dominant cigar and I couldn't talk about I couldn't show how to light a cigar I didn't have any way to do cigar play. So I'm sitting there with a PowerPoint and a bunch of carrots on the stage, cutters, so people can stand, come up there and try out, you know, holding a semi-cigar and giving it a cut in a Domly fashion. Um, and that, I think there were some glazed eyeballs by the end of that class um, because some, you know, it, there's, unless you're really, really into cigars, uh, learning about various cigar types and talking about play you know, it's like dancing about architecture. It just is not, uh, it, it's not going to be quite as interesting. For, um, for the points, I will give you points for creativities on the carrots, but have to take away points for using PowerPoint. But we'll go on. <laughs> Chris, I don't know how I was elected to give anybody points for jack shit anymore. No, if actually. someone were to ask you, hey, great answer, what do you do? What is your profession? How do you answer? Uh, I am a uh, full-time um, sex educator and uh, kink uh, producer. I um, work uh, on a freelance basis, uh, but my primary client is um, a company called Eradication, which runs things like the Kink Academy, Passionate You, um, Fearless Press, which is a free website with uh, columns and various things addressing um, sexuality. Um, be a sex educator.com is another mentor site we do. Uh, so I do that. I also write erotica. 
Um, I've been featured in a lot of anthologies by Rachel Kramer Bustle and recently have been working with Allison Tyler, which is a huge thrill because I've been a fan of hers for so long. And uh, when she accepted my first story, I was practically dancing. And um, now she's, you know, she's someone who has accepted several of my stories. Um, I've also written a couple novels. I also actually have a vanilla blog. I'd love to mention that, actually. Um, I write uh, a blog called lovelifepractice.com. And uh, on Mondays, I write a blog post about practice, like, say, meditation practice or yoga practice or clarinet practice or exercise or whatever. Um, on Wednesdays, I write a post about life. And on Fridays, I write a post about love. And that's been going on for about a year and a half. Wow. And I'm working on a couple of workshops. That's I've had some featured on tiny.com. And... Um, yeah, so I, I, I basically uh, – the answer to what I do with a living, for a living is whatever I can manage to get away with. Um, I make a little bit of money from the gurus and a little bit of money presenting. But as you well know, you know, you cannot really make a living presenting unless you have the chutzpah of a Midori or a Lee Harrington. And I don't think there's enough chutzpah in the world left over. <laughs> I have uh, – have done it so okay of course the uh, other really big money maker is uh, the <laughs> podcast <laughs> well you know I've, I've actually i've fallen into that dream world where i actually have a sponsor for my podcast nice. um, and it's you know they uh the the um the devil's mask society which is a uh, shibari and kimbaku education group in los angeles um there that crew just kind of uh, took me in and adopted me and said we like what you're doing and here's some money to keep doing it um and it's you know it pays for the, the podcast actually pays for itself what do you know yay you know? <laughs> that's always a blessing so so question about ropecast i mean was it just natural to fall into a podcast why a podcast um I fell into the podcast because back in 2005, Wired Magazine published a issue with Adam Curry on the cover that said, podcast, a new thing. And I read it. And at the time, I, you know, I, I do work in media, so I'm uh, um, fairly accomplished at sound editing and web design and stuff like that. And I said, hey, I can do this. And so uh, I was in Cunning Minx's apartment on February 25th, 2005. I sat there and I had a goal of having only five. If I could have five listeners, it was going to be worth it. And I recorded the first podcast and uploaded it. And um, I have managed to have five listeners. So I consider it a success. Do you count yourself? Um, I've managed to have four listeners. <laughs> um, <you know. laughs> I, so, so who started then? Because uh, obviously one of the other old uh, and been around and well-known podcasts is, is Polyamory Weekly. It sounds like you beat it to the punch. She, well, to be honest, what <laughs> here's the way it went. I looked, I read the article. I said, "Oh, I think I can do that," and so I did it. And I think it may have been two weeks or two months. You'd have to ask uh, Minx about that. But she basically looked at it and said, "Well, if Gray can do it, then I can certainly do it." <laughs> so yeah, um, and and yeah, she's been incredibly successful and 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 uh, done a fantastic job of turning that into a wonderful resource. Um, so yeah, it was. I mean, it was kind of a natural thing for me. I, I it's. You know, I like I like talking. Believe it or not, um, I like presenting. And um, at the time, I uh, I have four daughters, um, and at the time, they were all underage, under age eighteen. And and so, you know, I was not able to travel as much. Um, and so, it seemed an interesting way to reach out and get in touch with people. And um, I know that a large portion of my audience 
are people who can't come to convent conventions and who can't uh, be part of the community scene. And the podcast kind of helps them keep in touch with their, their kinky selves and feel like, you know, they're not alone, which has been, you know, that's basically the story of the Internet. No matter how weird you are, there's someone else like you. <laughs> Do you consider yourself a crusader no. for sexual maturity or consent? Oh, you had to push me into that. <laughs> I am going to punch you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. mm. I, um, I am someone who is annoyed with the um, hyperbole and the um, oh, what's the polarization of consent issues. Uh, it seems to me on one side there's the you have to explicitly agree to everything that I say and do absolutely nothing more or else I'm going to scream that you have violated my consent on the one side. And on the other side, there's people who say, hey, if you haven't filed police charges with DNA evidence, then there's no crime committed. Um, and I feel like there's a huge amount of uh, stuff in between those two poles. Great. <laughs> because it uh, is hard to deal with. It, it takes nuance and it takes stuff like that. So I am, a, I am a crusader for the nuance of consent and the realization that there's um, a lot of work that needs to be done in it. I think that the NCSF does a lot of great work in trying to explain versus abuse to the law enforcement places and stuff like that on the outside. Right. But I think that the problem is, is that we don't necessarily understand it on the inside either. So that part needs to be to be done. Um, I would not call myself a crusader for consent because I don't know enough about the issues um, yet to really uh, have a solution. All I know is that there's a lot more to it um, to than than is than I've seen expressed by the very vocal minorities that I've seen. Um, there was one time where. Dawn and I were in bed together, <laughs> and you were there filming us. Yes. Tell me about Kink Academy. <laughs> How did you get involved in that? Oh, it's wonderful. It's a case of, uh, you know, uh, I liked it so much that I bought the company. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, It was. I, I first was approached by Kink Academy when uh, Princess Callie wanted me to present um, for her, and it was uh, my making out class and my rough body play class. Uh, which I got to do with Tin Amaret, a wonderful spanking fetish model. And I really enjoyed that. And in the course of talking with her, she found out that I did things like video editing and web design and uh, those kind of things. And as it happened, they had, they were about to launch a site called Passionate You, which was more sex-oriented as opposed to kink. And they asked me if I could basically take on this big project and and you know do that. And so I did the project and... I really enjoyed the the stuff I was working with, uh, the the subject matter, and you know, it's like I I feel like I've gotten to hang out with you guys for hours because I have. I've gotten to film you, and then I've gotten to go back and relive those moments by editing them. Um, I'm really kind of sick of you guys by now. No, I just can't. <laughs> the uh, but the thing is, and then then uh, at that point, um, her regular video editor was going to be leaving, and this was I think maybe two or three years ago, um, and so I got hired as an actual. Um, editor and uh, that's moved into sort of a content administrator, web administrator um, I do a whole lot of things for the company now it's, it, the company's only two people, people think like there's a, some building somewhere with the Kink Academy logo and that would be great, we would love that, um, but really it's it's just me and uh, Princess Callie 
and um, and we're working every day to to improve the site and make new sites. And there's also you know there's sponsorships, there's contests. Um, I'm I just recently because we're about to launch a, a new aspect of it. I had to come into contact with every single video that we've had on Passionate You, and it was amazing to see. I got you know stuff on flirting is all in there, for example. Um, and I, I got to just see the huge breadth of knowledge. And regardless of the fact that, you know, it's a great buy and I'm not going to sit here and spout prices and stuff like that, as far as I know, there is no other thing like it on the web that has that breadth of education. Um, it's what, whatever ends up happening to King Academy and stuff like that, it's an amazing archival situation. Um, we, are, we are an aging community of sex educators and kink educators. And... Um, I, I don't know if you've had this experience yet on your podcast, but I promise you, you will. Somebody that you've interviewed will die. Yep. Ooh, yep. We have. Yeah. Absolutely. When that, when that first happened to me, uh, it's happened twice. And I suddenly realized that, you know, this was, this was no longer just a lark and a hobby. This is a, a part of their history. It's, it's part of the market they're there. And that's, that's part of what I think we're doing with King Academy. The other thing I, I'm really proud of with King Academy um, as you mentioned, Don, with the whole, you know, presenting is not necessarily a money-making venture. Mm-hmm. Um, we pay, as you know, we yes. pay our presenters. Um, we pay them for their time when we film it, and we also give them the opportunity to become uh, affiliates of the site, and anyone who signs up through them, you get a cut, you know. So it's it's a way to help support the educators in doing what they, what they do. One of the... Um our discussion points that shows up on FetLife every four or five months ago uh, or, or so, and, and I have a particularly strange view on it now that it, Don and I have presented uh, for a long time, but now that we've produced a few events, is should all presenters that present at events be paid? What's your view? <laughs> uh, in, ten, it, in, in less than three minutes. Less than three minutes? Yes, they should. <laughs> Um, there should be a, there should be a, what what uh, Lee Harrington has called a fair exchange of energy uh-huh. um, or a fee, and um, that may take the form of money. Money is energy. Um, I do think it needs to be more than just admission to the event. Uh, to me, giving someone just free admission to the event, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on any toes here, it's kind of like saying, "Hey, would you come over to dinner and also cook dinner? And if you cook dinner, I'll let you eat it." <laughs> It's it's sort of the equivalent of that. Uh, you can do that once or twice for friends, but after a while, it gets you don't want to go over to dinner anymore. Um, in an ideal world, that would be the case. And I have spent countless hours volunteering, and um, I have presented most of the time. Most of my presenting has been for free, um, but I can tell you that burns people out really fast. It has burned me out uh, to where I do need to make sure that there is a, a fee involved because otherwise, it's draining my energy. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think they should be. I'm not sure how to do that, although the guru has certainly helped out with that, and we didn't get a chance to talk about the guru. So uh, that would be well. Let's let's go into the guru then, because isn't the model of the guru the exact opposite of that? It, and I have yet to be to a guru, so maybe I've got it wrong. But my understanding is, and Dawn has been to one. Mm-hmm. She's nodding yes, and you've probably been to one or two yourself, Greg. <laughs> uh, is that you show up and teach if you want to, and nobody's getting paid, and everybody's putting in uh, the same. Tell me but, what a guru is. Maybe I got the whole thing wrong. 
You're, you're absolutely right so far, and I think it's one of the I better. I've been to a crew here in Columbus. We had a crew. Right. Oh God damn it! I have been to one. Okay, so yeah, the um, the idea behind a crew is basically that you know what people are doing is they're coming and sharing the thing they're passionate about, um, not the thing that they think is cool, not the thing that or that they're told is cool, not that thing you've been presenting on because that's the one that people keep asking you for, but the thing that you actually are passionate about. And it's run off of uh, open space principles, which is a thing created by Harrison Owen back in the 80s. It's used all over the world for NGOs and corporations and stuff like that. You can look it up online. Um, the kink aspect of it, and the reason I say about the presenters getting paid, um, is because we have a part of the group called the We Think You're Groovy Award. And um, we, uh, we take a portion of the profits of the GRU, which in spite of my best efforts, the GRUs have become prof profitable. Um, <laughs> And uh, we take a portion of the profits and we, we give some to a, a regular charity like the Leather Heart Foundation, NCSF, AIDS Lifecycle, things like that. But then we take a portion of it and we do the We Think You're Groovy Award. And that's based on the idea that since most conventions are, or conferences invite presenters to come and present and don't pay them, if you're doing an unconference, you would take some money – and pay a presenter who did not show up and did not teach. <laughs> so we, we uh, I, I work with the the uh, facilitators, and we choose a basically a a person. Sometimes it's someone in another country. I mean, we um, I can't remember her name. Who does the uh, Twisted Leprechaun in Ireland? Uh, she received one. Sometimes it's someone who everybody knows, like Lee Harrington has received this. Uh, Molina Williams has received it. Um, Dove has received a, uh, and basically we just we just suddenly call them up and say, hey, here's some cash. We think you're doing really good things. Use the cash for whatever you need. I think when I called Sarah Sloan, she says, I'm going to buy sedatives. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a way to, we think you're groovy and we think you should keep doing what you're doing. Very um, neat. One more question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. If you had to give up one of these, what would be the hardest to give up? Being an author running the grooves or being involved in the grooves, being a presenter, or your right and ability to do public rants? I would easily give up being a presenter um, uh, first, if I had to give up one of them. Um, because A, I don't necessarily think that what I have to say is all that important as compared to other people. And I think I can continue. My real passion is learning about stuff. So, you know, the grooves are a place where I can learn with other people. Um, you get some of that at conventions um, and conferences, but not as much. So if I had to give up one, I'd give up being a presenter because um, I will never give up my right to rant. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so, great. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this is great. As, as what our, our studio audience doesn't realize is you've just finished a different, completely different interview with us that took an hour of talking about something completely else. So really appreciate your uh, being on and talking to us tonight. And again, uh, thank you very much for your helping Dawn and I get started with the whole podcast thing. It's been a great joy for us. And uh, I don't feel like giving Adam Curry any more credit than he already gets. I would rather just say you get all the credit. Oh, okay. Hey, can I, can I do one real quick announcing some grooves that are coming up across the country? Oh, uh, any, uh, what do you call that? Uh, plug away. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know when this podcast, this one you're doing, whenever this one comes out, it probably will already have happened. Uh, we're doing the Austin Grew in, in mid-September. 
Um, and then we are doing in November 1st will be the San Francisco Grew, the second one. And then uh, De uh, December 1st, a month later, will be the Washington, D.C. Grew. Uh, and then in January, I think it's the third week in January, we have the Los Angeles Grew. And there is also a Carolina Grew, North Car or, yeah, North Carolina Grew, and a Rochester, New York Grew coming up next year. So there's a lot of them planned. You can find most of them on FetLife, um, but especially if it's your first your first chance for a kink event, grooves are great places to come and just uh, have a no pressure environment. So, absolutely, and it sounds like all great places. And as people that have gone to the grill, I would highly recommend it. So very friendly. How do I find out more about Great Answer? GreatAnswer.com, or just uh, go on Twitter for Great Answer. Uh, KinkAcademy.com also is you know we talked about that. Um, what else? Uh, com. I, I unfortunately don't have a Gru website right now. We lost that domain name. Um, but also Ropecast.net uh, or Ropecast.com is the Ropecast website. And there is seven years worth of podcast there. Almost it, eight. How about so. that vanilla blog you mentioned? Oh, yeah. That's uh, lovelifepractice.com. All one word. How about your personal address? No, uh, never mind. We'll <laughs> skip that one. We don't need to go that far. Uh, Gray, it's been a pleasure to talk to you tonight. And the funny thing is, we, we cut this at our normal uh, 20, actually 25 minutes at this point, but obviously I've got tons of other questions here, other things to learn about you. So hopefully we can get you back on here and we can find out what else is on the other side of the curtain. Anytime you want me to come on and talk about myself, I'd be more than happy to. <laughs> I am with Lokai, part of the ego-driven attention horror uh, cadre. So, you know, certainly I have a, I have to live up to my reputation, apparently. I, I totally am going to get you and Loki on the same podcast so that I can just <laughs> ask one question, go away, take a nap, fucked on, come back, and you guys will still be, how does that answer your question? I'll be like, yep, that got it, I guess. Probably, that, yeah, that, that would probably work, actually. I get <laughs> fucked in that. That really <laughs> works. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Grave. We'll talk to you later. You too. Bye-bye. Beyond the Love is a three-day event celebrating all forms of polyamory from nationally known presenters and social spaces that will allow you to explore who you are with like-minded people. Beyond the Love is the event you should be at because it's cool. Find out more at beyondthelove.org. Prices start at only $69 for early bird special. I only say that so we can say... What, what a bargain. bargain! Bye, Don. Bye, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>